0: Hello, hello everyone, this is your host Akil Jabbar and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. On today's episode, we'll be talking about why you need to use an omni-channel approach in your marketing campaigns to drive more sales to your startup. Today we have our guest Ritesh Loris joining us. Ritesh is a serial entrepreneur of various startups and an expert on e-commerce, online marketing and email marketing. In 2009, he was the founder of Treenex, which is a company focused on environmental services. Rytus was also the co-founder of IQ Polls, which is an easy-to-use voting tool that interacts with the audiences during conferences, seminars, and training sessions. In 2019, he became the founder and CEO of Soundist, which first started off as a digital marketing agency operating in the Baltic States. But then in 2014, he transitioned to focus on a newly built email marketing platform. Three years later, Riotus is still the co-founder and CEO of the, new, of the now renamed platform known today as OmniSend. His startup OmniSend is an all-in-one and omni-channel e-commerce marketing automation platform that helps companies boost their sales by converting their visitors and retaining their customers through personalized messages. Hopefully I got that right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rytus, and uh, glad to have you on our show.
1: Hey, Kiel. Thanks. Thanks so much for inviting. And you really, you did your homework so good. I mean, you have introduced me uh, like really in a comprehensive way. So really, thank you.
0: No worries. Um, Before we get into it, I want to get kind of a background of, you know, the current situation with the COVID-19 virus. I know your target audience um, for your startup being an e-commerce specifically, what changes, trends and effects have you seen with your customers, you know, specifically in OmniSend due to the situation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like interesting, interesting time to live and, uh, challenging times, I believe for everyone, but, uh, but, uh, as I always say, you know, it's, it's still much better than the war. So, uh. I, b- I believe it's 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 it's, it's really manageable, et cetera. and yeah, you're right. we we at Omnison we mainly serve e-commerce customers so those who sell online. So uh, I have no doubts that uh, in general for e-commerce this 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 crisis and this this virus situation is really really beneficial and really helpful to really move offline offline retail towards towards digital digital world to, towards internet and 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 e-commerce. and uh, so, that's definitely the the fundamental shift which is happening. And uh, we were already strong believers that in like perspective, like five to 10 years, uh, entire retail will be blended with what is e-commerce now, and there will be just an omni-channel commerce. Uh, us, as customers, will be able to really purchase in our most like convenient way, and we will not be forced to go somewhere to try to find what fits you, or maybe just buy online without you. Uh, ability to, to try it out. So uh, so that's definitely the direction where entire retail and e-commerce were going, like blending and becoming like omnichannel experience for the customers. So this COVID situation really accelerates that, like a lot. And now I'm much more optimistic that instead of like five to 10 years, it might happen like three to five years or, or something like that. Uh, in a, In the short term, it's uh, and and e-commerce is growing, like I just recently saw some statistics like that it took like 10 years uh, for for like digital retail within the U.S. to go from 6% to 16%. Mm -hmm. And in the past couple of months, like March and April, it just bumped up to 25% of all like entire U.S. retail expenditure went digital. So kind of plus 9% in a couple of months, and it took 10% to happen 10 years. So that's a huge, huge acceleration. And it's already taking long enough to build new habits, new customer habits, consumer habits, to buy online, to trust online sellers, online stores, et cetera. So, uh, that's, that's, so we, we serving those e-commerce stores, we strongly believe that in mid and long term, it's gonna be like super beneficial for us. In a short term, uh, like the very beginning of a crisis was challenging for us, like especially uh, February, as we are recording now in May. So February was the most challenging for us because a lot of our customers got uh, got um, cut from their supply chains when the factories and warehouses were shut down in China and we just got no inventory to sell. Uh, but once China opened and let's say Western world or the rest of the world got locked down, uh, so, you know, our customers start getting back and, and and selling again, and a lot of like old, old offline companies start like investing more and more and getting serious about about their online presence. Yeah, so um, I mean, uh, small challenges, but still. then I then I meet friends who who own bars, let's say, so you know, I I don't want to complain. But, you know, we maybe just double this year. So,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh and then you know our theme of this you know podcast is focusing on the omni channel marketing for those in our audience who don't understand what that is could you explain what omni channel marketing is and why is it so important to incorporate that in your in your overall marketing campaigns
1: Yeah so following to what i just said that uh, we strongly believe that uh commerce is going to be omnichannel and this is like holistic experience for the the consumers that they are being able to buy wherever they want in their preferred channels. So we believe that marketing should be following that trend and uh, us marketers should provide a unique experience for customers and ability for them to choose uh, which are their preferred channels. For us, brands retailers or stores to communicate with them. So that's basically the key concept that, uh, that you know, if the consumer prefers email, that's perfect. If, if the one can prefers SMS, perfect. Messengers, perfect. Push notifications, all in one tool. And just on top of it, there's is, there is like multi-channel, omni-channel approaches. So multi-channel is basically when using those different channels, but you are using them separately. An omnichannel, then you put them on a single on a single flow, and you are basically using one tool and you have 360 degree uh, like picture of your customer. And instead of just you know start bombarding with different messages at the same time, you can put it on the flow on the one flow. And to give you an example, uh, Achilles is visiting our website and, and that specific product of, like category of products. And instead of like start bombarding through like four different channels, we initially send an email. If Akhil is ignoring our email, we follow up with push notifications, with messenger, and like finally, let's say with text message. Um, yeah, so that's that's the key difference uh, from the multi-channel approach.
0: Yeah, generally when I see, when you go to like a, a SaaS startup, you go through their freemium kind of a. Uh... Onboarding sequence, you'll, you'll get all those kind of email campaigns coming t- towards your way. Um, what trends are you seeing now that are becoming, would you say, more effective? You know, whether it's SMS text, WhatsApp, I don't know if you're, you're also doing that, push notification, um, or is, is email marketing still the kind of uh, you know, most valuable marketing channel to, to consider?
1: so email is still the most valuable and the most effective but email augmented with other channels is is, uh, is the best so we see like yeah to give you like some statistics we just made some study like you know those who who uh uh those who use at least three channels instead of just one channel among our customer base so they they, they see like 90 percent higher retention so it's like if like insane increase in, in the retention and like I'm a, I'm a metrics uh, like getting high as well. So uh, it's the best is really to use the combination. If you, if we talk about like soul channels, so email is the most effective. Uh, SMS, it's, li- it's living, it's renaissance really. ROIs are great uh, and and then like click-through rates are great and the conversion rates are great with SMS. Uh, just the only challenge that usually uh, the subscriber list which allow you to send sms is still much slow, l- smaller comparing to to what you have uh, in your email list so but definitely sms it's a must use for every marketer. i would say um uh, yeah
0: yeah well, i can see that and yeah, you too- mentioned
1: whatsapp you, you you yeah yeah you mentioned like whatsapp or, or like messenger so those would be great channels but like Technically, they have so many restrictions that there is no no room for creativity of marketers to, to really use it in a creative way.
0: Yeah, I'm mean, always looking at that because I know big marts, like, for example, like in Brazil or even I think in Mexico, their their main focus is everybody just is on WhatsApp to do business. Right. Whereas I think in North America, it's not normal. It's more for like family and friends. Um, but then also, you know, you talk about SMS text, like you look at Twilio. And in the last few months, how they kind of blow up. So I imagine a lot of people are just stuck on their phones now. And, you know, maybe texting is, seems to be a better channel to look at. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, you know, from the consumer, because, you know, the, what makes the channel attractive is really uh, if it's like convenient for consumer to use this channel. So uh, email was like the most convenient channel because you are in control of the inbox. You can unsubscribe easily, you can just ignore messages, you can skip, you can report the spam if it's a spam, etc. So and with text messages there was a challenge that it was like super difficult to unsubscribe and if someone starts spamming you, you just don't and have what to do, sure. uh, which is not the case anymore. Let's say in the United States or Canada, so you just reply with stop message and it's being stopped automatically. It's just obligatory to have this. Uh, in other, like all around the world, let's say what we do, we put just a short link. If you want to subscribe, click here. Mm-hmm. You know, Just a short link. And it's as easy as to unsubscribe from email, just a couple of clicks and you uh, opt out. So it's much more comfortable for customers to leave their phone number, and uh, and to be sure that I can stop anytime, then I don't want to receive those messages anymore.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, I like that having a little link I could just click on and go away. Versus I know some of you have to reply, say stop to reply, right? But yeah. Um, and I, I read that when you guys initially started off, so you were an agency, and then uh, you start. You know, I think you built this product. Um, you started off as a product-led company, so um, and you focused on your integrations, building a really good product, and then you started to focus on marketing. I don't I don't remember. Can you tell me? You know how long was it from when you first started did you say okay we should start marketing per se and like you know focus our efforts there which i know now you guys are doing a more balanced approach and i know there is marketing value through you know integrations and whatnot but curious how that 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 conversation and decision went like
1: yeah so um it took us about not took us but maybe we just benefited from big backing uh, from just general e-commerce growth and uh, and the hosted platforms growth at that time. So Shopify e-commerce, Ticktail, which uh, which really had a great initial traction, which finally was acquired by Shopify. Uh, so yeah, and we worked really product-led organizations for organization for almost four years after the launch. Uh, so in our path, it was like this: like we built a product. It took us two years to really uh, reach the break-even and to find to find what how to how to monetize the product uh so still for a couple of years after launch we continue uh like doing agency services providing agency services and basically subsidizing the product yeah. uh and uh, yeah so a couple of years to to really uh, to really understand how how to monetize this and then two years like we were really relied on on, on the product itself and then, then yeah after four years uh, since the launch, we started like really heavily investing in marketing at go to market activities.
0: Interesting. And do you think that was the right decision, like waiting that four year period, um, and would you advise the same for other startup founders to just focus on product and not worry about you know, just investing in, you know, PPC SEO and whatnot. So. It-
1: it's it's probably one of the things which kind of uh, led us that path. That that was kind of a decision not not to fundraise and not to raise raise money, but to put strap or basically be funded by by our customers who are paying, paying each month each month for you, and then basically have to prove each month that you have the best investment uh, for like thousands of your customers and uh, and tens of thousands now. So um, so. That probably, that was one of the things we didn't have like too much resources actually to invest. So we had to be, and we still have to be very, very like smart and then really focus on what drives the most, like the, the less effort drives the the the, the, the highest output. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so basically that that was probably the combination of that, that initially that was kind of good enough for us and then, then we started to, to invest. Uh, would I advise like someone else to go that direction? Um, for us it worked, uh, but you know, it was four years ago, so mm-hmm. it, the, the situation might be different. Uh, e-commerce uh, just, just really started to boom that time and uh, e-commerce in general as in the industry, uh, it's pretty conservative although it's kind of a paradox i mean it's e-commerce uh, those who are digitalized but they those people usually are not like super tech savvy they are not early adopters usually our customers they wait for 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 others to try it out uh, because it's sensitive i mean we work yeah. with their money we help them either to earn more or to lose if we fail with our services so uh, so So like, you know, some time to really to prove that that you can you can provide good quality, reliable services. And and, and so it sometimes just takes time and uh, sometimes you can accelerate with money, but not always so.
0: Mm. So it's just a matter of like balancing out, um, you know, whether you want to take user feedback and slowly build on the quality and still manage your users expectations versus just, you know, accelerating growth and maybe sacrificing. On you know maybe quality, which yeah it's, I guess it's a personal decision. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's always a balance, you know, like uh, acquiring new customers versus uh, retaining existing ones. So yeah, and what what you just said, more uh, the better you balance, uh, the 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 better uh, long term results you get, and the better satisfaction, the, the the longer life life cycle of your existing customer base, and what what happens like finally that your customer acquisition cost goes down. Exactly. Yeah, because you get a lot of like water mouth and all of those if you want to accelerate. So definitely your customer acquisition cost just you know skyrockets and you may have some challenges with your retention and churn control.
0: Which is a nice benefit that you guys were bootstrapped and you don't have that external pressure to hit your metrics and grow as quickly as possible, right? And if you had that cash and you had to deliver, then you might have to sacrifice, right? And luckily you guys didn't have to, right? Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Who, who are just, you guys? Is just a different... Yeah, yeah, just a different approach. And who who are your guys' target audiences, or is I don't know if it's the same right now. Like, whether you are you all more SMBs, early stage e-commerce stores, mid-level marketers, or are you focused on enterprise? And I think I read somewhere where you guys have a longer sales cycle, so I'm assuming it's more enterprise. But I just want to clarify for our,
1: mm-hmm. our audience. So. No, it's it's not enterprise. Actually, we have started as really like serving micro to small businesses. Now, now we are serving like really beginners to to midsize. So somewhere up to from the really beginner to like 20, 30 million GMB. That's that's our sweet spot. And we kind of have a layer approach that it should be very, very easy to to start like using Omniscient and like a learning curve. We try to keep it like super flat and uh, and uh, and then, if you want like some advanced features capabilities they are under the hood, just you know and do advanced settings or so you know, so once you start like using a bit and and you can you can do really really robust things. so we have started this, like with serving those beginners like micro to small businesses now all the way to that like mid mid size, but still it's s m b. And uh, and I believe you've read about like longer sales cycles is is uh, like probably the longest sales cycle is with the smallest customers because we have quite generous free plan. So, you know, just start, if you're just launching an online store uh, for a few months, a uh, free plan of Omniset is like more than enough for you. So... I believe you read that, that, you know, from, from the install moment to like a paying customer. Yeah. On average, it takes almost half a year. So, but basically it's impacted by the smallest customer, actually not, not by the large ones. Um, with larger customers, it's like around three months. So pretty, pretty healthy, I would say.
0: Okay. So you mean, yeah, the sales cycle, I guess, because you offer the 15,000 emails per month, it takes them a while to build up their, their business, to be able to upgrade, um, Okay. And how are you guys different And you know, when, when, for me, what comes to mind when I think e-commerce, email marketing, um, first starting off, I'm building my store, um, you know, you hear Mailchimp, probably Drip are the two that kind of come to mind. How are you guys kind of different and why would we consider somebody like yourself over them?
1: That's a very good question. So uh, first first thing, which really, uh, which really kind of a small detail. So we are built for e-commerce from the very beginning. So a lot of like presets uh, and uh, like e-commerce as a business in mind. So everything like all the flows, reporting is everything around e-commerce. It's just, you know, it's always like the specialized solution is always better than just one fits all solutions. So that's the first thing I would say. Uh, second thing is really omni-channel. So having different channels in, in, in one tool. So uh, email, uh, text messages, Web push notifications, uh, Facebook Messenger, and even the ability to synchronize your list with uh, Facebook lookalike audiences or like Google, Google for retargeting or lookalike campaigns. So, yeah, so all those different like capabilities are in in one tool. So, and we have and we have like pop-ups and, and sign up forms to really capture capture leads, etc. Alongside with integrations with like just two new preview or other, other tools uh, to to capture capture emails. So. Uh, yeah. So basically, you know, a specialized tool is, is all this, is all serves better your needs. If you are selling online, if you are not selling online. So MailChimp, Drip, any other tools, they're, they're great tools and definitely, uh, use them.
0: Yeah. Like, well, if you, if you're getting, you know, 90% increase in, you know, you said in retention, um, having that omni-channel, I guess that's a huge, you know, game changer with yeah. them as well. So what, yeah, have yeah you... it is, it is, it is a huge Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was going to ask what what is the most effective, you know, top of the funnel channel that you guys found uh, through your demand generation program. I know you guys are running different marketing campaigns now that are actually driving, you know, top of the campaign, you know, market qualified leads for you guys.
1: Yeah, so uh, I would say few is, is still like integrations and being like deeply integrated into the ecosystems. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, Shopify, it's BigCommerce, uh, Boo and Magento is really becoming more and more important for us. Uh yeah, so it's one thing. Uh second thing is uh, SEO and content marketing in general. So we really providing good quality content, uh, some infographics analytics, we have kind of pretty decent customer base, so we, we tend to like have some reports every half a year to to to, to basically share some, some like unique numbers which other companies maybe don't don't have, etc. So yeah, so basically that's that's yeah. <laughs> We have kind of a unique term. It's general findability.
0: Mm,
1: so okay. uh, I, I'm still not sure if we are able to like um, uh, to to to, um, to stimulate the demand. But if demand does exist, and someone let's say have started their their marketing campaigns uh, using Mailchimp and uh, looking to upgrade and to like you know to really uh, do it do it better like automations. Uh, Omni-channel and then really more targeted and segmented campaigns for their e-commerce stores, so they're looking for for a solution. So us just to be findable uh, anywhere our potential customer could could be looking for a solution. Yeah, so that's that's basically the, the strategy.
0: So integrations and then you know SEO are probably the two big ones. Um, you know, I was speaking with the with uh, Amelia over as the CEO at uh, at Growth Hackers. And she was saying, you know, when they run growth experiments, the data shows that, you know, 75% of growth experience, we hear what's working, but 75% of the ones that failed. Um, and, you know, we probably don't hear about those ones. So I guess what's important, and those are important learnings. Could you share anything, what was least effective or you consider um valuable failed growth experiments that you guys have seen, whether it's paid, whether it's other other kind of channels you've tried and just failed. Yeah, paid. Yeah, paid. Yeah, paid <laughs> <Okay. failed. laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Just yeah, probably the competition is just too too high and too broad. And there are not so many like really long tail keywords which really reflects and customers are not looking for like um, let's say before before they find us or like some of our competitors, we don't Uh, they don't necessarily know that there is kind of dedicated specialized solutions for e-commerce stores so they're basically looking for just email marketing let's say solutions or SMS solutions Uh, so paid is like just too expensive doesn't pay uh, pay back and uh, another fail I would say you know as I, as I said, like initially, we kind of launched some integrations like Shopify, BigCommerce, TikTok, and they were like super successful for us. For like the beginning, uh, it it really took off. So we thought that okay, any platform you're gonna make an integration and you're gonna be published on their app stores, uh, it's just gonna work. Uh, but it didn't. So we made up integrations with like WooCommerce, Magento, which which now it's it's pretty pretty growing pretty fast and really good. But just you know, the app stores doesn't drive anything so you have yeah you you have to get get deep into ecosystem you have to work on like content uh, um, opinion leaders agencies which is really like uh, getting more and more important for us Is like channels partnerships etc yeah so that's i would say another lesson that um, some of some of the ecosystems we just drive you if, if you just get good reviews and you are like highly rated on app stores. Some of them just don't work that way. So that's another lesson I would say.
0: Do you have a, a system or, or way of verifying now and checking it's like, okay, you've, you've integrated with like maybe, you know, 50 different companies. Now, you know, okay, what to look for and okay, this is going to work or is this is going to be a complete waste of your time? Um, or is it just really like you have to wait and tr- test it out and wait till the reviews kick in and then you might see it afterwards.
1: So probably like the second,
0: yeah. The second one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs>
1: okay. Because yeah. uh, kind of, it's it's always good to learn from other mistakes, uh, but other other people mistakes or companies mistakes, but uh, uh, but I mean. If if you have like companies and we do have like peer companies with whom we like talk a lot and they're in our industry they're not competitors but they're kind of facing exactly like the same challenges or similar challenges so it's very good to to learn from each other but if some but let's say if someone failed one year ago or maybe someone succeeded one year ago so the context has changed That's a right. lot in twelve months Yeah. so you should try on your own and then the outcome might be completely different to what what someone just told because we tried one year ago.
0: True. And then on the paid side, so you, you you're all talking about uh, you know Google AdWords. so I, I know email marketing campaign keywords are insanely expensive just from a cost per click. I think I've seen it before, something in a twenty dollars range for some of those keywords uh, even <laughs> even
1: even a bit more at least more, when actually, we tried that was yeah, like thirty thirty to thirty
0: five like, wow. like this, yeah, so insane. Yeah, super expensive. Did you guys try on like the, the Facebook or other uh, channel site as well?
1: Yeah. So from like paid, if you you can call it paid or you can call it like referrals. So like uh, sites like G2, Capterra. So basically those review sites, independent review sites where right. you ask your customers to leave reviews there. Yeah. Uh, uh, so if you, if you have a good product and you get a good evaluation there and a good, a good star rating. So uh, in combination with pay buying their paid plans, uh, so they, they kind of drive a pretty decent amount of leads for us.
0: Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Um, and I know you guys provide more advanced segmentation when you build. You know, when e-commerce stores want to build their email marketing campaigns, um, can you share some stats or results you see? and say adding that personalization because i know that's another big thing into the different channel for buyers versus because a lot of them don't offer that kind of uh functionality
1: yeah yeah sure yeah so again from one of our research um i can i can give you some provide some some statistics yeah so like targeted campaigns when you really personalize and basically Trigger-based campaigns when you identify what what your customers are doing on your site, and based on that, you you, you send like the content co- accordingly. So yeah, so segmented campaigns uh, provide uh, like uh, almost 35% high open rates, and uh, 26% uh, more orders from each campaign. Comparing, yeah, so pretty pretty decent increase, uh, and yeah, comparing just to uh, you know spray and pay. And praise, 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 praise campaigns.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, thirty, let's say thirty percent, just by taking Mm -hmm. a little bit more time to you know find Mm -hmm. your audience. Same email list, same everything, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, well, what's 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 the beauty of automation here is like. There are two approaches of, uh, of like personalization uh, and, and targeting. First one is basically you take the, the, the customer base and, and you, you try to find a segment and, and it's kind of analytical approach that, that, that you do homework, you like slice them and you find, okay, this is the segment, I will, I will send that message to that segment. It's, so it's one approach which is already very effective. But what is even more effective is basically to build automations. So, you know, when Akil is visiting, or like any other visitor is visiting that product category and have not bought from us in the past three months, uh, you know, but we have his email. So let's initiate automatically this campaign with this product in the list. Let's say the product which was visited, as well as the product which Akil bought uh, the last time. Etc. Etc. So you know it's it's kind of another level of personalization, where you just build automated automated like like automation sequences and automated campaigns, and you just basically forget or like fine tune them later. And just you know the tools like Harness and our competitors, we just work on behalf of the marketer. So and for the customer is really is really that's real personalization because uh, this is how the customer uh, or. Showed us like some signals are providing some data and showed what his or her intent actually is.
0: So you guys analyze the data of like their not only what their you know their email and their profile, but also their purchasing behavior, and then based off that you send uh, emails based on yeah. action yeah. or inaction. In this case, or haven't bought in a while. Hey, yeah, usually you're buying every month. What happened? Um, You know, here's mm-hmm. a discount code. Come back in, cool.
1: Yeah, very good examples. And this data is much more valuable. And those those segments based on behavioral data uh, and like personalization based on behavioral data is much more effective comparing to, let's say, demographic data. It doesn't matter if you are male or female, if you are young or old. I mean, if you're interested in like iPhone or Samsung phone, it doesn't matter your gender or your age, I mean,
0: you know are you guys currently using some kind of machine learning or ai program are you guys consider using that to have that feature for your users so they don't have to kind of come up with that plan you just let the the, the model kind of learn from the bad like i think amazon uses this um to learn what the purchasing behavior and then send out triggered emails based on what worked in the past
1: yeah so um we we have a, a small team a small team of like data scientists, and we are still i would I would still consider like experimenting with that. We don't have like much uh, much much in place, but we're already working for, for for some time. and yeah, so in in kind of uh, uh, in near roadmap, we have like send time optimization. It's where instead of just you know optimizing by time zones or so your past behaviors really to be able. Again, uh, behavioral data and to be able to identify when a keyloritas wants to possibly open next email campaign. Yeah, so it's it's the, the closest to when to release. The 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 other thing which we are kind of working a lot is really to help uh, make uh, emails look uh, better. Uh, so kind of fine tuning colors and and you know changing background to unify colors etc. Which more applicable like and needed for smaller customers group uh for smaller customers in general um who don't have like design skills in house et cetera so or design um, competences in house
0: okay cool that's exciting if it uh, once you guys roll that out be interesting to see that um what are the, you know at the stage at where you guys are right now with the OmniSend, what are some of the biggest challenges you're facing right now if you guys are growing you know quite well um but obviously different challenges what would you say those are right now
1: so you know uh, covid and uh, <laughs> obviously added added some complexity and uh, um like as an organization so i would say like communication and we kind of named it uh, uh, named it like uh, some some time ago that communication internal communication is the biggest challenge and really uh, new responsibilities uh across continents we have we have like a vast majority of our team is, is based in, in europe in Lithuania in Vilnius uh we have US office we just opened it like six months ago now there are 13 people there already so like growing quite quite rapidly so um sometimes up to 10 hours uh, time zone differences so um, so that those kind of internal challenges and external is always, you know, to find new ways to grow because each each technique which works for you, you kind of reach uh, those uh, those glass ceilings, you know, yeah. at some point, And you have to find new new ways to, to, to grow. So that's, that's, that's uh, the challenge which has not changed since the yeah. beginning, I would say. It's
0: never ends. It's the new kind of challenge, right? Yeah, that's fun. And were you guys already remote beforehand, before the changes or... Did you guys have to make that transition because you had the office and then moving people home?
1: Yeah, so we were kind of like hybrid and partially remote. So, um, so that was not a kind of a big thing. Um, a part of those who were forced to stay basically were their kids at home. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> those,
1: yeah, those people had kind of the biggest challenge, not not because of lack of like remote practices, but just because of like trying to be like. A mother or father and then then a good, good like complete the company, and then you know, at the same time, and the teacher because you had to take care of homeschool homeschooling at the same time. So probably for, for for those people, it was the most challenging.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, your hypothetical question. You know, if you were to go back and build, you know, let's say you know OmniSend, you maybe moved on, uh, sold it, whatever. Uh, you were to build a completely new startup today which industry would you focus on? Would you stay in, you know, marketing tech and, uh, how would you validate your product as quickly as possible this time where, you know, it took you two years, maybe or longer than the first time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a very good question. So, uh, e-commerce I, I, I would stay at e-commerce. Yeah. So I, I like this industry in general and yeah, maybe e-commerce even more than, than the MarTech angle, I would say. Yeah. Cause as we kind of talked through it a bit, so it's, it's really growing market niche and, uh, and and you know it's it's constantly innovating and uh, a lot of like challenges and I believe a lot of disruptions is just waiting us in coming like 10, 10 years so that's really a fascinating industry to be in now so yeah probably I will I would I would stay in the e-commerce field um, and how would I test it so the key lesson I've learned, and I believe us as a company learned, and I would give an advice for everybody starting a company, is really as soon as possible, find a really monetizable customer pay. For what? Uh, what kind of value can you create for your customers, for them to be willing to pay for you? So I mean, because you can, you can provide some nice-to-have services, and nobody will want to pay. Uh, one thing uh, you can you can provide some maybe uh, very like n- necessary to have services, but maybe just a, like too too narrow scope, etc. And again, nobody w- will be willing to pay. you. So really, to find that balance, what service, what kind of problem are you really solving, and how you present it to your customers, and uh, for them to be willing to pay for you. So. Yeah. So that's, uh, I believe, uh, exactly the challenge we had with uh, my previous, uh, especially IQ polls. You've mentioned uh, while introducing me, my previous like failed startups. So, uh, that was a nice to have solution, but when you ask customers to pay, nobody was willing to pay for it. Although free version was very popular.
0: <laughs> wow, so yeah, yeah, just yeah. not worth paying for. So be the uh, was it the painkiller? Don't be the the vitamin, right? Is that the, the say? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And what what was the moment that you realized, okay, this is this is what we need to do to be the painkiller was it just from like speaking to those customers and just like learning the behavior and like ah now we know why they're not paying let's move here
1: yeah yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> it was there was no kind of single aha moment it was just you know gradual process and it's yeah you're right i mean it's all about listening to your customers either like physically talking to them or like uh, having some online service, asking NPS questions and, you know, if they churn asking them, the why do they churn? And if they choose you, why do we choose you, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all about, about listening to your customers. They tell you so much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Redis, uh, last question or what are you most excited about or curious about at the moment? And where do you plan to focus your efforts for the remainder of 2020?
1: Um, so, I, think, I mean, building a business is, is is a thing which I really, which I'm really enjoying, and it's it's something like you know an art and, and a lot of creativity and uh, combined with math. So so this is this is a, this is a great thing. And yeah, 2020. So our goal is at least to double our our business, like our ARR, which is the key metric in, in any sales business, any other current revenue. So that's and we are on on, on that on that uh, on that path now. So uh, really, you know, it's it, it's not easy, but yeah, we've, that's that's a thing which really fascinates me a lot. And currently, we just released some some great features and create more value for our customers. So I'm really happy about them as well, like uh, conditional split automations and some like improved uh, uh, analytics, advanced reporting, and all that stuff. So really happy about uh, the progress, which is happening about the organization. So,
0: Cool. And how can our audience get in touch with you if they want to learn more about omni- omni-channel marketing for, the, for their own startup?
1: Yeah, sure. So omniscent, omniscientcom we have a resources center there and blogs. So really you can find a lot of great, great tips and hints and articles for all, all the way from beginners to really mid-sized mid-sized customers and advanced marketers so you can find a lot of great resources there and yeah if you would like to try omnisone so you can sign sign up there uh, there is a free plan there for the beginners so you can just request a demo and talk to our sales sales people and personally, myself i prefer linkedin and, and twitter so those social media channels where we can we can talk to each other and follow each other
0: Okay. Awesome. We'll put all those, those links into our show notes as well. So you guys can get in touch with Redis here. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed this conversation, Redis.
1: Thank you, Kiel. Great great to talk to you. Thanks for inviting.
0: Thank you all for listening in to today's episode. Don't forget to join us for another episode where we interview top leaders and experts in the business and SaaS industry. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be really, really appreciated. Otherwise, if you have any feedback, suggestions, or improvements for this podcast, please feel free to send it directly to me on our website at horizoncapital.com. Or you can just tweet me at Akil Jabbar. Thanks again and hope to see you guys on the next episode.